All right. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Thank you guys for being here in person. It's good to see y'all. And uh, thank you for watching if you're tuning in online. If this is your first time tuning in, uh, we're glad to have you. And my name is Wade, if you don't know my name. Uh, that being said, let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, thank you uh, for this place to gather. Thank you for the people to gather with. And Lord, I just thank you for the message that you have for us tonight. God, I just pray for every heart that's here and uh, everybody that's watching online, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what it is you have for us, God. And uh, like Josh said, not only hear it, but apply it to our lives, Father, so that we can bring you the glory that you deserve. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Uh, if you were here last week, we talked about the question, why are you here? And uh, not just here on earth. You know, we said, to, you know, it is why are we here on earth too, but that is to make our choice while we're here, uh, to make a decision about where we're going to spend eternity. You know, we'll either choose life and receive the free gift of salvation through what Jesus did for us on the cross, or uh, we'll choose to reject the plan of salvation that God has for us and just live this life seeking only what this world has to offer. And uh, we went into quite a bit of detail about what it looks like if we choose the world over a relationship with Jesus. You know, it, things don't end well for us if we do that. And uh, I hope you have made that choice to receive the free gift of salvation that God has for us and make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you know, so that we can eagerly look for his second coming and uh, not live in fear and dread of his coming. But uh, the second part of last week's service, we talked about why am I here? You know, talking about why am I here tonight? Why do I go to church? Uh, you know, am I here to just to please somebody else? Or am I here just out of habit? Or am I here just to look godly, uh, you know, socially? Or maybe I'm here because I'm lonely and I just want to be around somebody and hear somebody else's voice. You know, we talked about all kinds of different reasons why we're here uh, you know, maybe it's just a safe place for you to go. But I hope that you're here to grow in your relationship with God and uh, to fellowship with God and to fellowship with His people, to learn more about God and to not only learn about Him, but to serve Him and share Him with other people. And I really, I really do hope you took the time last week to seriously ask yourself that question. You know, why am I really here? Why do I do what I do? Uh, but that's that's what we talked about last week in a nutshell. There's a whole lot more to that message. Uh, if you missed it, I do hope you go back and check it out. You can find it on our church Facebook page. Or you can find it on YouTube, or you can listen to it on the Podbean app. And I, I really do think if you listen to it, it'll help you understand more about why you are here and uh, why you do what you do. But tonight, I want to... I want to share a message with you that God laid on my heart about, probably about a month ago, maybe a little over a month. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to share this with you. Last night after uh, Celebrate Restoration, I got home and I started a text conversation, me and Ross did, and we were talking about 
I don't even know how we got on that subject, but we were talking about a coroner. You know how a coroner, they deal with dead people all the time. They deal with flesh that doesn't have any life in it. And that, that got me thinking about Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 5. And it says, <clears throat> it says that we were dead in our sins, you know, before Christ. That's what we are. We're in the flesh. We're alive. Our souls are alive, but our spirits are dead. And verse 5 says the same thing. It says, even when we were dead in sins, God has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are we saved. So, you know, that says we're all spiritually dead before we come to Christ. But when we come to Jesus and surrender to Him, we're quickened by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, the very Spirit of God comes alive in us. And we just kept talking about the corner and the things that they do. And, you know, it just kept running through my mind that everybody without Christ is just walking around pretty much dead spiritually. And uh, I also got to thinking that you never hear a coroner arguing with a dead person. That you don't never see a coroner accusing a dead person of doing something wrong. And uh, I think that was God's way of showing me that that's the way we have to look at sharing the gospel. Because that's what people are. That's what I was. That's what you were. Before Christ, we were, we were physically alive but spiritually dead. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is talking about that. He says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And, uh, you know, like I said, people don't know they're spiritually dead. I didn't know, and you didn't know before we came to Christ we, we come to that knowledge after we have surrendered ourselves to Christ. So we got people walking around all over the place that are spiritually dead, and they, they have no idea. And uh, like I said, neither did we before we came to Christ. But just like the people that the corner deals with, the people that we deal with, people that are spiritually dead, they don't need to be judged. They don't need for us to tell them what they're doing wrong. They need only one thing that can save them. One thing that will give them what they need. They need life. You know, that's the only thing you can help the dead with, is life. They need to be brought to life spiritually. And they need what we just read in the last part of that verse right there. They need the glorious gospel of Christ to shine to them. Uh, the same thing we needed. And if we read on in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So they need the light to lead them out of the darkness. That's what we needed. And Jesus said about himself in John chapter 8 and verse 12 that he is the light. It says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. And he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And uh, he didn't just say he was the light. If we read in John 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he is the light, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And uh, 
all of this will make sense here in a minute. I'm just kind of getting it, setting the stage for what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, like I said earlier, those that are dead need life, and those who are in darkness need light. And those who have been deceived or blinded, like we just read there in Second uh, Corinthians 4, they need the truth instead of deception. And Jesus is all those things. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. But he's also the light. <clears throat> and that's the message I told you God gave me about a month ago, or maybe a little over a month ago. It was during a power outage, uh, during those bad storms that we had. I don't know about y'all, did any of y'all's power go out during those bad storms? Well, I know yours did. It always goes out. Uh, well, my power went off. And uh, I've got an oil lamp for when the power goes out, but when I grabbed it to light it, it was empty. Uh, you know, that's a whole other message by itself. But it wasn't empty on purpose. It was empty because it leaks, and I didn't know it. It was a cheap metal lamp lantern, and uh, I guess the weld on the bottom wasn't good or something. But anyhow, I grabbed one of those scented candles with a lid on it, and uh, I lit that. Uh, you probably got some of those too. Mine smells like peach cobbler. I like peach cobbler. But uh, I lit that candle because the power was out. And, uh, you know, I was walking around the house trying to do the things I needed to do. And uh, that's when God started giving me that message. He started showing me some things. And I started writing them down while he was showing them to me. Uh, I got four points on that. And the first point is, Without Jesus, we don't have any power of our own. He is our power. So if our power goes out spiritually, we're really in trouble because he is our light. Uh, you know, when we have no power, we have to carry the light with us, you know, regular power. When our electricity goes out, we have to carry the, the light with us so that we don't stumble around in the darkness. But spiritually speaking, in this world, you know, without Jesus... None of us have any power. He says in John 15 and verse 5 that if we're not connected to him, you know, he is, he is divine and we are the branches and he abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So without Jesus, we can't do nothing. Uh, you know, the sun comes up and the sun goes down, but this world, whether it's daylight or dark, there is always spiritual darkness. You know, even when it's daylight outside, there's always spiritual darkness. It's everywhere all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, you know, in a normal power outage, we need our candle to walk around and show us what to do. But in spiritual darkness, we need that light all the time. You know, if spiritual darkness is everywhere 24 hours a day, seven days a week, then we need to carry our light Jesus with us all the time because the darkness is there all the time. And, uh, you know, I remember during that storm, I could hear the rain hitting the outside of my house. I don't think I've ever heard the wind any worse than that. It was really raging. I mean, it just sounded like a battle going on outside my windows. But it couldn't blow out my candle because I was surrounded by my house. And that's what Jesus is to us. <clears throat> there's always a spiritual storm around us. But if you're in Christ, he is your light, and the enemy can't blow him out. He is stronger than our enemy. Uh, 
he said, greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit that we get through Christ. He is greater than he that is in the world. So that spiritual battle is always going on. So we need to keep our, our life with us at all times. Uh, I love Proverbs 18 and verse 10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and is safe. And like I said, there's always a storm raging, and there's always something this life is going to be throwing at you, trying to blow your light out. So we have to stay in Jesus. You know, he is our strong tower. He is our refuge, and the enemy can't touch us when we're in him. Uh, you know, I hear people all the time saying, well, this happened, and i got to take care of this so I can't come to church. You know, when the enemy attacks you, and uh, that's all that is, and no matter what came up, that is an attack from the enemy. Don't run away from God. Run to God. You know, don't let that be the reason you can't come to church. We need to show the enemy that no matter what's going on, I am going because I trust my God. But I hear that all the time. I got this going on, so I can't come to church. I got to take care of this. You know, I can't come to class. I can't do this. I can't do that. But like I said, when life gets hard, that's when we need God the most. We need to run to him, not away from him when a storm hits. Uh, King David says in Psalm 18, in verse 2, if you've never read Psalm 18, uh, I would recommend you read that whole thing. The whole Psalm 18 is about how God is protecting him, delivering him, and uh, just taking care of him. But Psalm 18, verse 2 he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And I, I love that. Uh, I want to read another one to you. Psalm 61, verses 2 and 3. It says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. You know, like I said, when life gets hard and throws stuff at you, don't run away from God. Do like David did, run to God. Uh, you know, like he said there in verse 2, do you ever feel like you're just so overwhelmed by the things going on around you that you're at the end of the earth? You know, I've... I've felt like that. I've had things just pile up and pile up and pile up and get so hard, you just feel like you're so distanced from God, but you never are. You know, we never truly are. If you're saved by Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can't get away from it. He is always with you. One of my favorite verses, and it's not on your list, Casey, I don't think, but it's Psalm 46 and verse 1. It says, The Lord is a our refuge and our strong tower, and he's an ever-present help in trouble. And uh, he's never far away. But when we let things pile up like that and we get overwhelmed, we'll feel like God's a million miles away, and he's right there. So instead of running away from God, run to him. Run to Jesus. He is our light, and we have no power without him. And, uh, you know, that brings me to my Second point, uh, the light will show you which way to go, you know. But if you are in a storm, get out of the storm. Run to Jesus, not away from him. He is our refuge. He is our shelter. Uh, 
But point two is the light will show us which way to go. You know, when life gets overwhelming and we're out here in this darkness, if we're going away from God, then we don't know which way to go. Uh, I love Psalm 119 and verse 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Uh, you know, how many? I learned this during that power outage. How many of you have ever been walking around in the dark and just ran smack into a wall? I did that the other night. And uh, not only that, bumped my toe on something too. But it's the same spiritually. You know, if we don't have the Word of God guiding us and showing us which way to go, if we don't have a light on our path, it's really hard to stay on the path. You know, we talk about staying on the path all the time. But, uh, you know, it says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. What is the Word of God? That's Jesus too. He's our light. He's the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he is the word of God. It says so in John chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he's talking about Jesus Christ there. That's Jesus. And uh, that's why we see so many people having a hard time staying on the path. They don't leave their light on. you know, they're not in the Word. They're not reading and learning about Jesus. They're not in prayer or fellowship with God. They're not getting the guidance that they need. They just turn it on every once in a while. You know, if that's the only time you turn your light on is when you come to, to church on Sunday, then the rest of the week you're walking around in darkness. And, uh, you know, we can't do that. If we're walking in darkness, we need our light on all the time. That's how we get off the path. We have to have our light on all the time so we will know which way to go. Like I said, if the only time you turn your light on is on in church on Sunday, then you're walking in darkness the whole rest of the week. And it's no wonder we wind up where we didn't want to go. And it's no wonder we do things that we didn't really want to do. And it's no wonder you do like I did and just keep running into a wall. You know, that storm never ends. And the darkness don't take a break. When we turn our light off, then the darkness comes in instantly. It don't take it a minute. You know, you can hit the light switches back there, and it instantly gets dark in here. And it's the same with us. You know, when we turn our light off, when we get our eyes off Jesus, when we stop reading the Word, when we stop praying, and we focus on our problems instead of God, then the darkness comes in. So we need our light on all the time to keep us from going the wrong direction and to keep us from saying and doing things that we'll regret. Uh, In Ephesians 5 and verse 8, it says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know, I keep saying that before Christ, we were all dead. We were uh, in a different kingdom. We were in the kingdom of darkness. But since Christ, now we are children of light because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us so we need to walk as children of light you know never turn our light off and not only will your light Jesus keep you from going the wrong direction he'll lead you in the right direction Uh, Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 I share these with you quite a bit 
just these two verses right here, if you'll just do these two verses, it will change your life. It will lead you in the right direction. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That means don't just make God a part of your life on Sundays or a part of your life on Wednesday nights or a part of your life anywhere. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That's every moment I'm awake, I'm going to be aware that God is with me. And uh, I'm also going to be aware that I belong to him. And uh, when we live like that and include God in everything, he really does uh, direct our path and lead us in the right direction. And we'll stop doing the things that we regret. We'll stop saying the things we regret. And we'll start living a life that not only brings glory to God, but it pleases God. And it makes life a whole lot easier on us, too. And uh, that gets me to point three. And I really like this one because this is what we're called to do. The light helps you find lost things. Uh, I forget what I dropped during that power outage, but I lost something and I was carrying that little candle around trying to fight it. But uh, what I mean by that, the light helps us find lost things. Before Jesus, I wasn't worried about anybody else's spiritual condition. I wasn't even worried about my own. But once you come to Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit, you notice other people's needs. You, you notice their spiritual needs, that they need life. They need a light. They need all the things that we needed. You know, our duty, our ministry, once we have come to Christ, is to tell people about Jesus. It is to share the gospel with them, to reconcile people to God. I read you that all the time out of Second Corinthians chapter 5. You know, we're ambassadors for God. We're supposed to be reconciling people back to Him. Uh, I share this verse here with you a lot, and I share it with myself more than I share it with you. And I share it with myself to remind me that this is what we're called to do. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15, it says that we may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. We're supposed to shine as lights, and we can't do that unless we keep our relationship with Jesus where it needs to be. You know, that verse don't say for us to go judge the nation or to judge the world. It says to be a light in it. Uh, you know, yes, it is crooked. This world is very crooked. This nation is very crooked and perverse. But remember what we said a while ago. You know, people are dead. They're spiritually dead. And they don't need judgment. And that's why the verse don't say go out and judge the nation or go out and judge the world. It says shine as lights because people are spiritually dead. They don't need judgment. They need light to shine in the darkness so that they can see <clears throat> the way out. They need life. They need Jesus. And in that same conversation that I was having with Ross last night, you know, we were talking about the love of God. And that's what draws people to Jesus, not condemning their behavior. They already know they have bad behavior. You know, nobody had to tell me I had bad behavior. I already knew that. 
I needed to know how to get out of it. And uh, But if we share the love of God with people, and once they believe that, that God loved them, truly believe that, and they get that in their hearts, then they will want to obey Him. Uh, but a lot of times we want to give people the law first. And it don't work that way. That's backwards, you know. We want to tell them God says don't do this, and God says don't do this, and God says don't do this. You know, that don't draw anybody to Jesus. That actually makes people reject Christ and go the other way. But if we tell them, you know, what it says in Romans 5, 8, that I share with you every week, that God showed his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, tell them God loves you right where you are. And once they believe that God loves them, and he's not angry with them, he, and he's for them and not against them, then they're going to want to love him back because he loves them. You know, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And then maybe they'll trust God enough to take a chance on him instead of being scared to death of him. We can't put the law, we can't put the, the rules and regulations in front of the love of God. That's what draws people to him. You know, once they have the love of God in their heart, then they're going to obey him in this and this and this. But just telling them what's wrong is not going to lead them to him. Like I said, we've got it backwards. You know, if we have love for God, that leads us to obedience because we love God. We don't want to do anything to hurt our relationship with him. That's just like having a relationship with a good father, and that's what God is to us. You know, if I love my father and I get to know him, then I know what he expects from me. And because I love him so much, I don't want to let him down, so I'm going to do the things I know he wants me to do. Not out of fear of him, not out of because it's a rule, but out of love for him. You know, like I said, love ends up in obedience, but the law does not lead to love. It pushes us farther from God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, that's exactly what it says. It says, and it's talking about us. It says, God has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter or the law, but of the Spirit. And what are the fruits of the Spirit? The very first one is love. So God has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the law, but of love. For the law kills, but love gives life. Love will lead you to Jesus. Love will lead other people to Jesus. Love will lead them to life, and they won't be spiritually dead anymore. That's the same way we were brought to life, because we realized that God loved us. Uh, we talked about uh, this at our men's conference a little bit. You know, we want people to mature and then come to God. And that, that is just backwards. You know, it's totally backwards. We just need to let people know that Jesus loves them, and get them to trust in him so that they can be born again and become spiritually alive. Then they can mature spiritually. We can't mature spiritually without the Holy Spirit. And that's what a lot of times we're asking people to do. You know, start obeying this and this and this and this, and then come to God. And we can't do that to people because they're not able to do that. We weren't able to do that. We need to 
convince them that God loves them enough to trust him enough to surrender their hearts to him. And then they can get born again and be spiritually alive. And then they can mature in their faith. We all, when we first come to Christ, are babies in Christ. We're born again, you know, so we we got to realize just like we were just born spiritually, so are those people. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know, just encourage people to come to Jesus and to read and to learn about him and to taste him for themselves. And they will see that he's good. They'll see that he loves them and he's not against them. We can't give people our opinion of God. We've got to let them meet God. And God's not shy. He'll show them who he is himself. I believe that's why a lot of people don't come to church because we've showed them our opinion of God and it's not who God is at all. Uh, you know, we've been talking about that the last few weeks. If you know, if you're the only image of God that somebody sees, then what do they think of God? You know, people don't need an opinion of God. They need to taste the Lord and experience God for themselves. And like I said, God's not shy. He'll show them who he is, just like he shows you and I who he is. And that's why so many people have a perverted view of God, or idea of who God is, because too many people are telling them who God is, when their power is out themselves, you know, they're trying to shine the light and their candles out. They're not reading their word. They're not living a godly life themselves. And they want to convince somebody else of who God is. That's why it's such a important ministry for us. If we're going to call ourselves Christians to keep our relationship with Christ where it's supposed to be. You know, I can't share the truth about God if I don't know it myself. I can't shine a light in a crooked and perverse nation if I don't have a light. You know, testimony after testimony last night. We went around the room talking about, you know, why I had a perverted view of God, why I had a wrong idea of God. And every single one of them was because people calling themselves Christians were telling other people about a God that don't exist. You know, that's not the God we serve. That's not the God of the Bible. People make up their own view of God and they want to bring other people in with them. And uh, Jesus warns us about that. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil... Thy body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, if you've got a wrong view of God in your heart and you don't know Christ, if your light's not shining, then Jesus says you're full of darkness. Uh, you know, if your eye is single and your focus is on God alone, then my focus is on his gospel and not my gospel. Then I will be full of light, and I can share the light, and I can share the gospel. But if I start putting my own opinion or a worldview in there, then Jesus says we're full of darkness. And how great is that darkness? I don't need the enemy to blow my candle out. 
if I start mixing worldviews and my opinions with God's Word, then I blow my own candle out, and I'm not going to be able to share the light. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he warned him about that before he sent him out. Uh, he knew he was going to be sending Paul out to the Gentiles and not to the Jews. You know, he sent Peter and some of the other disciples to the Jews, but he told Paul he's specifically going to send you into the Gentiles and spread the gospel there. And he told him how to do it in Acts 26. I want to show you those verses. And that's where we are. We're not sharing Christ with the Jews either. We're sharing among the Gentiles. But in Acts 26, verses 15 through 18, and this is Jesus talking to Paul, <coughs> or Paul's telling his testimony about what Jesus told him. And he said, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, and this is Jesus talking to Paul, Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you've seen, and those things in the which I will appear unto you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send you. And this is the verse I want us to focus on. This is what he's telling them to go do for the Gentiles, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Uh, <clears throat> that's a powerful verse he's telling him I'm sending you out in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation like we just read about a minute ago and this is what I want you to tell them you know what did he want him to tell them let's read that verse again he, want, he wants them to open their eyes turn them from darkness to light turn them from the power of Satan unto God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Christ. There's nothing in that verse where he commanded Paul to go out and do these things about judgment. There's nothing in there about condemnation. And if you have somebody you want to witness to, uh, just tell them Jesus loves them and tell them, uh, don't take my word for it. Read this verse. That's a good verse to share with somebody. You know, here's what he wants for you. He wants to open your eyes. He wants to turn you from darkness to light. He wants to get you out from under the power of Satan and introduce you to the power of God. He wants to forgive you and count you among the saints. You have an inheritance just because you have faith in him. You know, share Romans 5, 8 with him that God loves them even though they are a sinner Christ died for them uh, you know that's what he did for all of us like I said earlier they already know they're a sinner they already know their behavior is bad they don't need to know that they need a savior they need hope and they need life and uh, you know that gets me to my last point and uh, we're almost done point number four is the light helps us to be able to look in the mirror and see ourselves. <coughs> and that, that's the hard point. That's the point most of us don't want to hear. 
you know, Matthew 6, 33, it says, If I'll just seek God first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, everything else will be added unto me. Everything else will be taken care of. Uh, if I just seek Jesus myself and keep my candle lit and live for the Lord, I don't have to try to be a witness. I don't have to try to be the smartest man in the room when it comes to the Bible. I don't have to do any of that. All I have to do is tell people that Jesus loves them and live in obedience to him, and they'll see that. If I just follow him, that's all you got to do. If you just follow him, your light will shine, and that light will draw people in. You don't have to convince them. Your life will convince them. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, somebody asked him, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So just love God with everything in you and love other people. And uh, you'll be a powerful witness, witness for Christ just by loving other people. People are not used to getting loved in this world. They're not used to being treated good. They're not used to anybody being honest with them and not trying to cheat them. You know, just being what God calls us to be is the witness they need to see. I love this proverb, uh, Proverb 20, verse 27. It says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. You know, God's candle is always lit. It never goes out. You know, what's in your belly? Because whatever it is, God can see it. Uh, that's another thing we talked about at the men's conference. You know, what is keeping you from having the relationship you should have with God? Uh, whatever it is, you know, I don't have to tell you what it is. And you don't have to think about what it is. As soon as I mentioned it, I know it popped up in your mind. The Holy Spirit will show it to you that fast. And, uh, you know, like I told them at their conference, I have no idea what it is, and nobody else knows either. But you know what it is, and God knows exactly what it is. He knows the innermost thoughts of our hearts. We can't hide anything from God. And, uh, if we're struggling to witness for God, struggling to to bring people to Christ and share the love of God with people, you know, there's a reason for that. There's a reason my candle's out. There's a reason I'm having a power outage. You know, and if there's something that comes in between me and God, I want to get that taken care of quick. I don't want to walk in darkness. I walked in darkness for 45 years. I don't want to go back there. You know, I'm very careful. I watch myself like a hawk and if you know if I see I'm getting off the path I want to know why and I if I don't know why I bring it to God and ask him why show me you know what do you want me to see uh, and God will show it to you if you ask him what it is but if you're if there is something between you and God bring it to him uh, he wants to help you with it and he's patiently waiting for you to bring it to him so you can uh, 
receive everything we just read a minute ago in Acts 26, 18. God wants to do that for us too. You know, just because we come to God, just because we're born again and saved, that does not mean we're perfect. God wants to do all those things for us too. We go back to Acts 26, verse 18. You know, if I'm off the path, then that's what I need. I need God to open my eyes. I need to, Him to show, show me how to get back out of the darkness into the light, how to get back out from under the power of Satan and return to God. I need to be forgiven for whatever got me off the path so that I don't lose my inheritance among the saints, which are sanctified by faith in Him. You know, that verse is not just for the lost. That is, that's for us, too. Uh, you know, bring it to God so we're not blinded anymore. And when we do that, you know, make sure we get it nailed down that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life that we talked about last week. And no matter what this world throws at you, you know, if we'll keep a clean slate with God, that's another thing we shared at the uh, men's conference. Come all the way clean before God and have a clean slate. And then once you get there, just keep your slate clean. That's a daily thing. You know, if you mess up today, confess it. And He'll forgive you, and you can move on. That's why I love First John 1, 9. You know, no matter what we bring to God, He will forgive us for it. And he don't just forgive us, he cleanses us from unrighteousness. So you don't have to walk around feeling guilty. And you'll always have a light that the enemy can't blow out. So that's my question for you this week. Is your power out? You know, has your candle been blown out? Are you still on the path or have you been walking in darkness and got off of it a little bit? You know, are you only turning on your light every once in a while? If that's the case, you know, you can't stay on the path like that. You've got to have it shining on your path all the time. You've got to have your light all the time. Recharging your batteries and filling up with oil by reading God's Word, and by talking to God in prayer throughout the day. I talk to God all day long. You know, I do have prayer time in the mornings, but all day long I'm talking to God. And I believe if you're truly born again, you do too. I know a lot of people do. We should be fellowshipping with other believers. We need to be around people in our lives that hold us accountable. And uh, being around other believers, I know for me, it helps me feel more secure because there's strength in numbers. So we need to stay confessed up to God so we can be forgiven and cleansed daily. That's not a, a weekly thing. That's not a, a monthly thing. We've got to do that every day. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, then we have to deny ourselves daily and pick up our cross and follow him. And that that's just doing the daily maintenance of a disciple. That's what the word disciple means. It means discipline. We discipline ourselves so that we can be followers of Christ and really let our light shine like we've been talking about. So, you know, what's blowing your candle out? Whatever it is, bring it to God and he'll help you. He won't yell at you. He really is a good, good father. So uh, that's my message this week. You know, let's get our attention on our light. Is it really shining the way it's supposed to be? And keep them shining brightly 
Do like we said in Matthew 6:33. Just seek Him first. Make sure I'm walking the path I'm supposed to be on, and God will take care of everything else. You know, just following Him the way I'm supposed to be. That is the witness this world needs. They need to see Christians living like they're supposed to. And we don't have to try to make our light shine. It'll shine just by being obedient to Him. But if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, it has to start there. You know, like we started out with, until you have Christ, until you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, then you're spiritually dead. But when you surrender yourself to Him, uh, that's what we call being born again. You receive the Holy Spirit, and uh, you will be saved. I always like to share these verses with you at the end of the message. There's just some scripture on how to be saved, but it's really simple. If you know you need a Savior, all you got to do is cry out to Him in your heart and say, God, I know I need a Savior, and invite Him to come in. Say, God, please come into my heart and uh, save me. And tell Him you'll give Him the authority to be the Lord of your life and submit to His authority instead of your own. And he'll become your Lord, and he will start leading and guiding you if you'll let him. But in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And it has to be a belief in your heart. You can't just recite a prayer. You really have to believe that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you've made that decision today to turn your life and your will over to Christ, then tell somebody about it. Uh, it says with our confession of our mouth that we receive our salvation. So don't forget to tell somebody out loud, today I've given my life to Christ. <clears throat> and the Bible says you are saved if you've done that. And don't let anybody tell you you're too bad or you did too much or went too far because it also says in Romans 10, 13 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's anybody. It don't matter what you've done. And uh, we've already read Romans 5, 8 a couple of times during this message, but we'll read it again. You know, like we were talking about a minute ago, most people want to tell you, Straighten up and go to church. You know, you need to get it together and go to church. You can't do that. Come just as you are. God knows we're sinners. He knows we're all born with a sin nature. And Romans 5.8 says that God showed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just come to him as you are and surrender your life to him and God will clean you up. You know, if we could clean ourselves up, we would have done it a long time ago. But uh, thank you all again for coming out if you're here in person. And thank you for watching if you're tuning in online. That's my message this week. And uh, I really hope that helps somebody. It helped me this week to take a closer look at, uh, at my life. You know, what kind of light am I shining? And I hope it helps you to take a closer look at yourself and uh, draw a little bit closer to Jesus. But uh, thank you all again for coming out. Let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for that message. And Lord, I pray that you will help us each to, uh, to
to think about this message, Lord, to remember it and to meditate on it. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us all to, to find the courage to truly examine ourselves uh, in, in the light of you, in the light of your words, Lord, and what it says. And I pray to be honest with ourselves, Lord, if there's areas that we need to bring to you and ask you for help. And I pray that you'd help us to remember in our hearts, God, that you are a good, good father. And you won't scold us for bringing anything to you. But you'll take from us what we don't need. You'll give us what we do need, Lord. And you'll get us back on the path that we should be on. And Lord, if we'll just keep looking to you, that you'll keep us on that path. Lord, we just thank you for loving us. And we love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.